Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, welcome to the latest episode of the Manchester is Red podcast for the Manchester Evening News. I'm your host, Rich Fay, and this week we'll be dissecting United's loss against Wolves with Samuel Luckhurst. Hello, Rich. Good morning. And Dominic Booth. Hello and good afternoon. How are we? Yeah, not too bad. Thank you very much. I guess, well, United were fed to the Wolves on Monday night. Samuel, you were there in the press box. Dom, you were there in the stands yourself. It was one of those games that, you know, we sort of saw under the Oligar Solskjaer regime. You mentioned the other week, Dom, that the performance against Newcastle is probably the worst of the, of the season so far, even worse than the City result, even worse than the Liverpool result. Wolves at home, where does that rank, Samuel? Ooh, um, it, it, I, I still wouldn't say it's quite as bad as uh, maybe the Liverpool City or Watford games, but it was it was probably probably worse than Newcastle because they actually ended up losing it. Yet perversely, there was still a mini period in the second half where United were dominant and, and they, they should have scored. I, I said even at half time because Wolves hadn't taken any of those chances that I could see United eking out a 1-0 win here. And they they probably should have done with with that opportunity that Fernandez had. I mean, it was, it was a sitter that he missed, but it would have been a travesty if they'd got a point out of that that game last night. Uh, just I think the the formation that Rangnick has introduced might well have run its course already. Uh, the, the honeymoon period is certainly over. Uh, it ended with the booze for Mason Greenwood substitution, which I think just about baffled everyone in in the ground. And even after the Greenwood substitution, I don't think he got his other changes right. Uh, Marcus Rashford has been playing like a drain for most best part of the last year. Uh, had no impact whatsoever. Uh, Alex Tellers was going to come on before Wolves scored, and then Anthony Alanka ended up coming on. And you know, he, he has his merits, but he, this this should still be a month where you maybe look at him going out on loan because. That, that breakthrough moment in the first team hasn't, hasn't really happened yet, even though he, he scored against Wolves towards the end of last season. But it was just so apparent in the first half that against a, a team that have, has an, an innovative tactical setup uh, and don't concede many goals, that Wolves were going to you know, have some joy against that formation that United were set up in. Sometimes it just boils down to something as simple as do the opponents have better midfielders? And Wolves do. Uh, Moutinho and, and Neves push McTominay and Matic so far back, they're almost on David De Gea's toes. So that created this massive gulf between the front four and, and the, the, the defensive department, essentially, the rest, the other seven players. And Neves and, um, and Moutinho were able to just control and dominate that area. And when United did try to transition from defence to attack, they were either too slow or if they got robbed of possession because they'd not necessarily overcommitted, but they were just trying to shuffle in, in, in the right direction, they'd leave acres for Wolves to exploit on, on the counter-attacks. Um, 
I mean, I mean, it did feel like it was at one point meandering to another goalless draw between United and Wolves, of which you know that they've been. It seems like they've been many in recent years, but Wolves fully deserved their win, and I think it's particularly damning of United that when you watch Wolves play, you know, they've got they, they were organised, they were compact, um, innovative tactics, uh, good intensity, uh, forward-thinking passes in midfield. It's everything United aspire to be, but aren't. That's that's how far the standards have plummeted at United. They now aspire to play like a, what is essentially a mid-table club at the moment. Yeah, it wasn't a good result or a good performance by any means. Uh, Tom, did you feel that there was a chance United would drop points when you saw the, the team news drop? Obviously, United have that that issue at centre-back. Phil Jones came back in for his first appearance in over 700 days, ironically, was, was man of the match and looked looked the best player on the pitch. Um, what did you make of the actual lineup? And I know that, as Samuel said, that maybe after a game, it is easy to critique Ranić and, and to say this was wrong, that was wrong. But at the time, did you think that was a lineup that was asking for, for trouble, really, particularly of the, the McTominay-Matic partnership in midfield again? Yeah, I didn't like that midfield. Um, it served its purpose against Burnley. I think Matic was a, a sort of a shrewd pick for that game. He seems to always play the Burnley games and, and play reasonably well in them. I think with four days between the two fixtures, I think this was unwise to play him again. And McTominay... I said during the game, he seemed to just be completely overconfident in himself after a good performance against Burnley. He seemed to th- start uh, thinking he could do things that, it, it, you know, quite frankly, he can't do, and he, he needed to maybe simplify it. Neither of them were helped by the the system, which um, we're starting to see holes in now. I think, and it's quite right to say that the, that two man midfield was massively overwhelmed by about five or six players that Wolves have in that midfield area. I think Rangnick said that himself after the game, which is, it seem, it seems bizarre that he went in with basically a two-man midfield if Wolves swamped that area. Um, and it allowed the narrow nature of United's system. Uh, we've seen so far that played perfectly into Wolves' hands and Semedo and Marcel, I think, down the, down the wings, um, creating a huge amount of space. So there are issues. I, I didn't agree with Wan-Bissaka staying in the side. I don't think... He's justifying his place. I think Dallo um, has shown far better form, especially under Rangnick. Shaw was one of his worst performances. I didn't have a gripe with Shaw playing, but I, I have a gripe with his form at the moment. He's just not he's not delivering to the standards that he, he was hitting in the Euros in last season. Um, Jones was the one selection that maybe people questioned before the game, but actually he had to play. There were, there were no other options really to play centre-back unless Matic played back there, but um, yeah, he was he was the man of the match, which is absolutely bizarre to say after you know man of the match for United. I think there were multiple Wolves contenders: Semedo, Neves, Moutinho um, for that title. And yeah, United got what they deserved. I agree with Samuel. But you've both mentioned there the setup that United have adopted this four two two two. Although at times it's been a four four two, it's just all been a bit of a mess anyway. It seems to be a formation that has been implemented to bring the best out of the fringe players, but then neglects the players who are already key key sort of members of the squad. You look at Bruno Fernandes, it didn't seem to sort of fit into it um, at all, really. The strike force, like I said, Greenwood had to make way because Ranić didn't want to bring Cavani off and Ronaldo's Ronaldo, he's not going to be dropped. Samuel, I know you've put out a tweet today and I know there's no easy answer, but in terms of going forward, what formation would you go with and, and what sort of tactical approach would you think that I'd need to adopt to, to get the season back on track? I think the, the main issue with that is that that midfield is just... Kaput. It's it's strange to think um, 
start of last season, we, we were probably writing and talking about what an enviable midfield United have and that it looks complete, that it's better than, than most midfields in, in Europe in terms of um, the richness of, of selection uh, selections that they can they can make there. But this season, they've they've just been completely found out, rumbled, however way you want to uh, phrase it. I, I suppose for a period of time, they, they were able to get by, not not just Fred McTominay, but sometimes Matic coming in there uh, and recording these very very impressive wins uh, through through sheer pragmatism. Um, you think of some of the wins they had against City under Solskjaer, uh, the win against City last season as well. Um, at the Etihad when they when they won two nil, where they're not playing front footed football, they kind of like accept their inferiority complex and they just play in this rather rigid but secure way, and it, it paid off from time to time. But that midfield malaise is, I mean, it dates back three years now to when they sold Fellaini and Herrera went to PSG and they didn't sign a replacement, and the replacement they were looking to bring in was just strangely Sean, Sean Longstaff, who has been linked with Nottingham Forest the other week, which is where James Garner is is playing at the moment. And at the time around the Long, Longstaff links, and also interest, you're thinking, well, you've got James Garner, like isn't, isn't there a young midfielder with potential? But I don't know, I think they've had something like seven combinations in midfield this season and none of them, None of them work. None of them have looked like working in the long term whatsoever. Fred and McTominay have, have probably been overplayed because Solskjaer was for, for a long, long time so, so dependent on them. And it's got to the point now where it's so, it's so bad there that Pogba walks back into that midfield and he's not going to be there in five months, probably. He shouldn't be there in five months. It makes no. There's no rhyme or reason to try and start contract talks, try and get him to sign, try and get him to commit. He doesn't want to be there. That's perfectly fine. It's perfectly understandable. United shouldn't be making the mistake they've made in recent years of rewarding underperforming players with, with a new contract. It's just not worked out. You've got to move on from it. And when they do that, or if they do that, they then have the leverage to... I mean, they're going to sign one midfielder this year at least. But I think Don said on, on the podcast last week, there is an argument that they need two. And I think it's it's not even an argument now. I think it's just absolutely essential that they need two there because that department is just rife with squad players, apart from Pogba, who doesn't want to be there. Pogba is the only one who you would say, at his optimum, gets into most, most other teams' midfield. But Matic, McTominay, Fred... It's barely worth even including Van der Beek, but I suppose we we kind of we kind of have to. But they're all squad players, and at the moment with Pogba absent, two of them are guaranteed to be starting. So immediately you're at, at risk of being onto a loser from um, from from the get go. And probably in in the case of Wolves, it was the first time under Rangnick they came up against an undeniably better set of midfielders. John, John Joe Shelby showed up United last week and he has form he has form for doing that. He he always seems to overperform against United, but it's just the failure to to match the the aggression of him that I think United fans were were affronted by. So in t- regarding the formation, I, I I would still say four three three is prob there's there's no full foolproof formation, but I think four three three allows you more flexibility to change things in game if something isn't going right whereas that 4-2-2-2 uh, 
when when things were going all right last night, there was no way of getting around it in terms of shape shifting. It was just going four four two pretty much. That was about the sum of it. It was there was no way of. I suppose they could have gone to a back three with the personnel available, but it would have been it would have been bottom heavy. I suppose it's it's not not the best turn of phrase there, but it, it would have been the kind of formation they'd have come up with under Solskjaer in. In, in one of his last matches, such as when they got outclassed against City, so with the personnel, you'd have had to change it. But they they took long too long to change the personnel anyway. Um, and and okay, there was there was a bit of improvement there in the second half during that that fifteen minute period of, of dominance, where as I said, Fernandez had the chance and Ronaldo should have scored. But it's all well and good saying four three three, but. I've I've no idea who the three should be in there. It's it, it, I, 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 I hate myself <laughs> if you say like give Van der Beek a go in there because it's pointless. It just doesn't happen. Um, it, it's you know I'm kind of at my, the end of my tether there. Of even I'm not even banging the drum because more often than not he's not done it in his starts and um, but he's an option. He's 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 a potential solution and he might do well. It's it's just a really really bizarre situation with him and, and that midfield in general so the short answer I'd say would be 4-3-3 but there are still so many caveats and that you're probably playing a player who's not going to be there at the end of the season who the hell is a holding midfielder because Matic is too old to do it on a regular basis and and who would the other midfielder be does does Fernandez go into a three because that that again would not necessarily be playing to his strengths no, exactly. Like I said, it's a real dilemma there. It's going to be interesting to see how I do tackle that. Dom, in terms of Ranić himself, of course, it is only the first defeat under him. But when he took charge, I remember looking at those fixtures that he had coming up, and it really did look like you know United had ten games, all of them very winnable. They've dropped points, you know, against Newcastle now against Wolves, scraped by Norwich. Okay, the young boys in the Palace games, you can you can sort of write them off anyway. It's not really been convincing. He talks the talk, yet to really walk the walk. Do you have any concerns about United's interim manager or do you feel that some of the outcry has been a bit over the top because it is just one defeat? Yeah, uh, I think it's been massively over the top. I think it, it was pretty obvious when United lost 4-1 at Watford um, that their problems go beyond Ole Gunnar Solskjaer and... Solskjaer had huge limitations, as we've discussed so much on this podcast. And, uh, you know, it was the right decision to to let him go at that stage. Probably was the right decision a few weeks earlier. Um, but it wasn't going to be a quick fix. And, and Rangnick is not renowned um, as a quick fix manager. You know, he's renowned as a, more as a director of football than a, an actual manager. And when he has built teams, it's been smallish German clubs who have taken a few years to, to adapt to his ways. And then they make progress. And... You know, you'll see the results of his work a little bit further down the line. Now, United may get that. They may get that when Rangnick moves into a consultancy role, whatever that proves to be in, in a year or two time, whenever he chooses to hand the reins over to a new manager. But I don't think he was ever going to elicit, um, you know, a rapid sort of Thomas Tuchel style uh, turnaround in results like we saw at Chelsea last year. I think a lot of the players are struggling to adapt to his methods. I think... He's visibly frustrated with with what he's seeing from the players, and yeah, I think like Samuel said, a lot uh, there will be, there should be um, a few players to leave in January and in the summer, and I think that's only right because some of them just aren't aren't suited to Rangnick. They aren't 
suited to playing for United in all honesty. There's some of some who aren't up to the standards required, which seems strange to say when we all looked at the names at the start of the season and last season and we thought it's starting to assemble a sort of Harlem Globetrotters style um attack. But then if you haven't got a, a functioning midfield or defence, I don't think that that matters too much. So the short answer on Rangnick is that I think that he should be absolved of most of the criticism, not all of it. Um, some of those decisions have been poor. I think the system is questionable, but I think the problems go a heck of a lot deeper than him. Yeah, Alex, I think I think everyone can agree there's deep-rooted issues at United. We've already mentioned on this podcast, bad tactics, questionable substitutions. What's changed for United since Randick's taken charge? Because it feels like they're... Like I said, they've got someone who's slick talker off the pitch, but on the pitch, they seem such a mess again. And in the short term right now, we're in January. Of course, it's a complicated window, especially with the pandemic. Teams don't want to sell. They don't want to weaken because they've got the issue of replacing players themselves. What can United actually do in the short term to turn things around, do you think? I think he's really got to look at internal potential internal solutions there um, that, that have that are untried so far. Um, I mean, Phil Jones has started more meaningful league games than, than Donny Van Der Beek in the last year now, and Jones, to his credit, was was the best player uh, against Wolves. There's that I don't know if people have seen it. There's that picture of them emerging, and he's you know, jumping up and down, and it's it's a very prescient picture because he, he was literally head and shoulders above his teammates in that moment, and he was with his performance on the pitch. But I'm, if, if they if they actually do sign a midfielder uh, this this month, which, again, like in the summer, the, the word coming out is they want to, but I think realistically they don't expect to. I don't think it's going to be a name midfielder. I think they'd have to be really, really clever um, in the marketplace and with their scouting, which, let's face it, is, is not one of their strongest suits. And when you're trying to do that in the month of January, which is is, is one month, um, it's it's very very tricky. They'd have had to have been ultra prepared going into this month in order to to execute such a deal if if it does happen. But I, I have severe doubts about that. I think there's absolutely a cause for going out there and, and signing a midfielder this month because it's a situation in that department that that is unconscionable and it, it could well cost them Champions League qualification, which it was It was obviously in jeopardy when Sarsgaard was sacked, but they it feels like they're a bit more more distant from, from the top four now. And I mean, the, the Premier League season is wherever they finish up, it's pretty much a... It's, it's not. It's not going to be a success because they were supposed to challenge for the title this season. So that meant finishing second at the very least with a credible challenge. That's already beyond them. They're not going to finish in the top three. Um, Arsenal and Tottenham, on current form, seem to have greater uh, capabilities of, of finishing in the top four than than United. So it's it's a pretty dire situation. Something that they need to uh, need to adjust. Uh, sorry, address urgently and. This this month is is not a particularly busy month in the the Premier League is still working on when the postponed fixtures are going to be played. It would make infinite sense to play them this month. There are three midweeks galore. Um, Brentford and Brighton aren't in the League Cup either. But if they aren't played this month, it does allow Rangnick more time on uh, at, at Carrington with the players. 
hope, you know, I say I say hopefully, but hopefully most of the players have have contracted COVID now, so that they've got the antibodies and they they don't have to to isolate anymore, and they can, you know, by and large be free of it. And United won't won't suffer anything like an outbreak that they did last month either. So it won't disrupt Rangnick's. Um, uh, a schedule with with obviously training them and, and trying to get them up to speed, but with it, it is it is strange to think as as Don touched upon that at the start of the season we're, we're still talking about the same set of players, but we're now questioning whether they're even good enough to finish in the top four. That that's how badly this season has gone. I think but you so- have to ask that question in a way, Samuel, don't you? Because of despite their names and ability, the way they performed under two different managers, it is an odd thing to say. I agree, but the way they performed isn't reflective of of what we thought of them before the, the season started. No, I, I think so far this is shaping up to be the worst season post-Ferguson other than the Moy season. Um, most most other seasons that, that weren't successful, there was there was you know a highlight or something that, that you could take away that was memorable from them other than really that Moy season. And, and this is shaping up to be as as bad. There, there's still an awful lot to play for, and it's still eminently salvageable. And I think Arsenal, who certainly shown the makings of becoming a good side, are still, as, as we saw again in the City game, that they, there's still a flakiness about them, and that they're always going to give you a chance and, and let you in. I don't think a team is ever going to run away in in fourth and you know cut the others loose, but. United are just so far off, so off it at the moment, and really under Rangnick, they it feels like they peaked in that first half against Crystal Palace, where they did look different from um, the team under Solskjaer. But since then, they've they've been chaotic, and frankly, they looked a hell of a lot more organised under Michael Carrick. Yeah, even that Palace game, there was that Jordan Ayew chance, which could have sort of had it ended in curtains anyway. They could easily have not won that game, and it was a great yeah. goal from Fred, a, a moment of magic to sort of bail United out. Um, Dom, in terms of Phil Jones, before we move on to other matters, like we've already said, a great, great story, great to see him back, great to see him playing so well as well. But in terms of his immediate future, what do you think? Do you think he does have a career now at United as, as a squad option, someone that they can bring into the first team as and when required? Or do you think that... That would almost be the, the perfect ending for him. He's made his comeback. He's put in a great performance, and, and that's when you should sort of cut the ties. Yeah, I'm reluctant to say that Phil Jones has now got a United career on the on the back of that one performance. To be honest, um, but then the situation at centre back is as such at the moment that I don't think they can afford to let him go this month. With by uh, on the way to the African Cup of Nations, Maguire out, Lindelof out. You know, I'm not sure on the prognosis of of those two latter names, but they'll have to be back soon. Otherwise, United won't let Jones go out, which would be sort of harsh because you, you, it would be nice if that was his swan song and he bid farewell with the fans singing his name and, and cheering his every touch as they were at Old Trafford on Monday night. Uh, for his sake, I hope that he's allowed to move and, and he does get that fresh start. You know, We've seen a little bit what Chris Smalling did when he was allowed to leave United and, and go to Roma. He had a, he had a, he had a good time in his first couple of seasons there. I'm not quite sure what he's doing this year, actually. But a lot of those players that leave United, they seem to find a new lease of life when they go somewhere else because I think the pressure's slightly off. They're away from the, the huge scrutiny that you have with the media at United. Uh, and you can get stagnant, you know, just, just sitting on the bench, turning up for, for training without playing. It must have been uh, frustrating for Jones with those injuries thrown in as well. So... 
I hope that United are brave enough to make some decisions on player exits this January, um, including Jones and, you know, throwing the likes of Jesse Lingard, um, maybe even Donny van der Beek, maybe even Paul Pogba into that mix as well. Obviously, Anthony Martial looks like he'll be going. Um, as I said before, there needs to be a raft of those exits. Um, and maybe that will sort of kickstart a bit of a uh, regeneration under Rangnick. Like you said there, there is a whole list of players who sort of need to be trimmed from the squad. Like we said before last summer, Samuel, this is a bloated squad. They only sold one player permanently, that was Daniel James. And, you know, there's still so many players who sort of hang around us in this squad. But given the circumstance of the pandemic, given the circumstance of the transfer market, it almost feels like United have got an excuse to ignore doing some ruthless cutting of the squad yet again. Yes. And as you said, because a lot of players are out of contract in the summer and the majority of them, if not all of them, will will go um, certainly before the start of next season. That That's another excuse for them not to proactively look go to go about selling players this summer and sorry, not this summer, this month. And I, I do get that. Um, it, it does make sense to keep the squad the size it is to an extent that there are some irrelevant players in there and, and, and Marshall should be allowed to go um, whatever the terms really that Sevilla come up with. I, d- I don't think that United should be making life difficult for, for any buying club or, or loaning club in, in Marshall's case because he's, he's clearly just not going to get used whatsoever. Um, but I, I think looking ahead to the summer, there, there've just got to be some players that they cut their losses off um, now, really. I mean, the mistake they made with Lingard last year was that they didn't strike while the iron was hot and cash in. Uh, when, once he came back from his loan uh, from West Ham, it was just the classic Solskjaer indecision, sentimentalism, uh, clouding his judgment with a player who has still not started a league game for United in, in more than two years now. Um, so they, they can't make that mistake again. I think even someone like Wan Bissaka, if someone's offering twenty five million pounds for him or twenty million pounds, I, I know people are laughing at that, thinking how who the hell would offer that money? But that they they need a quality full, they need a modern all action fullback. You look at Liverpool, City, Chelsea, their fullbacks are playmakers. United have to, at the risk of sounding like David Moyes, they have to aspire to reach that level because that's how far they've fallen. They're never ever going to get that from Wan Bissaka. He was just never ever cut out for a United, as a United player in terms of ability or personality. And Dom said it earlier: how the hell he started against Wolves, I've, I've no idea. Dallo did quite a creditable um, job when he had his run in the team, and all of a sudden he's he's been he's been dropped for, for no logical reason whatsoever. It seems. Uh, and, and there are other players whose whose positions have have to be uh, scrutinised as well. Um, Marcus Rashford's been out of form for a long time now. You, you don't get a pass for being an academy graduate. Um, there's always been doubt whether he was good enough as a, as a starting player for United. Uh, I think he's only got one role where he can really flourish in as well, which is from from the left wing. At the moment, he's not getting in there at the moment. And when, when he can play there, it's not in a formation that's necessarily conducive to his strengths either. Um He's, he's his career has stagnated, and then there are more fringe players. Has, has Brandon Williams got a realistic pathway to the first team? Probably not. Is there any sense in keeping him beyond the summer? Axel Tunzibi, do they cut the cord there? The goalkeeping dynamic, which Solskjaer said was unsustainable, but then sustained it, has to belatedly be addressed in the summer. One of them has to be sold. Um, it, you know, it, it will probably be Dean Henderson, but the next 
coach who comes in if they do indeed go with a new permanent manager in the summer and don't don't retain Rangnick for another year or so that coach might say actually I want I want Dean Henderson because I like his kicking better and he's younger you know it's perfectly possible it's unlikely but if if he wants to hire then they have to sell Henderson because it's, it's just the logical thing to do so there are so many players that they could make money on. Um, Eric Bailly, what you know, he, he's a decent centre back on his day, but Bailly is Bailly. He's always going to malfunction at some point, and he's fourth or fifth choice centre back. He shouldn't have got a new contract last year. They should have sold him last year, but they're useless at selling players. So they they just, as I said, like the whole cultural reset nonsense that it was a success. Uh, I'm I'm a little bit embarrassed in myself that. In, in that summer of 2019, I didn't think the statement that United had spent £130 million on Wan-Bissaka and Maguire was as, as bad as it probably was at that time. When you look at it now in mm. black and white, you think, what the hell happened that summer to spend that much on those two players? And of course, they can't sell all these players because they're on long contracts. United paid a hell of a lot of money for them. And you've not got suckers like Leeds who come along and drop 25 million on, on Daniel James every year either. I mean, the, the fact that United got that fee for him, they were so pleased about it that Ed Woodward mentioned it on the last investors call, I mm. think. that That's how rare it is. So it, it really does need to be a busy year. But unfortunately, United, uh, you know, if I, I suppose the kids on Twitter would, would call them transition F- FC these days because that's what they seem to be in a permanent they, they just permanently seem to be in flux. It's always a, a state of transition without ever looking like they're actually going to change for the better. Yeah, and I guess part of that problem, Dom, is the fact that United always cashing on the fact there is hope. There is hope they could win the Champions League. There is hope they could win the FA Cup season. There is hope they could still save their sort of their financial side of it by qualifying for the Champions League again. FA Cup next week probably has more importance now for United because, like Samuel said, even qualifying for the top four now, even if they do do that, that's not a success. That, that can't be confirmed. You can't, you can't be saying that that's a successful season. They do still need silverware. It can be that, that sort of bridge to further success, maybe. FA Cup on the horizon. Do you think that is something that United really have to prioritise now? And do you think that is an achievable competition that they can win? Or, or do you think they just don't have the quality to do so? There's no question in the quality. We just need to see it on a on a regular basis. It, it, they they have the ability to win the FA Cup. They have the ability to win the Champions League if they if they all show up on their day. And if Ronaldo has a has a good game and Rangnick manages to find a a good position for Fernandez to play regularly, if the defense starts to function as it ought to, you know these are all ifs and buts. It, I'm not confident enough to say that United will win any, anything this season on on current form because I think that would be madness. Um, I think that Rangnick, if if he is shrewd, he will prioritise the FA Cup. He will use it as an opportunity as well to to blur a slightly different system. Um, maybe a four three three, maybe back to a four two three one. You know, we, we we've seen in the last few games. I think why Solskjaer was so keen on four two three one because of how it it put Bruno Fernandes to the forefront and and how it it suited the the width that they play with or that they need to play with. I think the Rangnick um, will choose a different system against Villa in the cup. I think he'll bring a few people back into the fold who may be showing a little bit more desire, not necessarily those who are so talented, but the likes of Fred, Tellez, Dallow, who have at least shown something under his limited management so far. Um, 
it's all clutching at straws, isn't it? At the moment, it's it's good to have hope, I suppose. And United's PR machine may well play on that. Um, but even the optimists like me are starting to think that um, these are really, really, really deep-rooted problems. And you know everything that Samuel said about about changing the culture of the club and things like that. I, I think they do apply. I think some of Solskjaer's cultural reset was a success. I think he did make some good signings, and and certainly the the attitude was right, but um, they do appear to have gone backwards since since the summer, and that is the biggest concern. What were the good yeah. signings? Do you, do you still regard Wan-Bissaka a, a good re- signing, Dom? Uh, no, but I think that him and him and Maguire are better players than they're showing, and I think good coaching would show them to be better signings than they've been. I don't think either of them have been coached well since they've been at United. I think that's the case of so many of United's signings, that they... they they come with big reputations and big transfer fees, but there's no coaching at the club to to make them better. You know, Andy Robertson came from Hull to, to Liverpool. I, he wasn't a world beater there. He's been coached to be a better player. I think that United need to do that. You know, Fernandez was clearly a quality player when he arrived at United and he showed it instantly. It wasn't really United that, that made him better. If anything, maybe United have made him worse in the last six months. I think that's what it comes down to rather than you know, simply making a signing and, and hoping you can they can wave a magic wand and you'll become a better team. It's, it's a fair point. I think maybe expectation as well rumbles some of these players. Maguire and Wan-Bissaka are pretty, I'd say, pretty good first seasons when United were finishing third and playing in the Europa League. You put them in the Champions League and you raise expectations. Maybe players get found out that way. Yeah, and Sancho and Varane are good, you know, the good signings on paper. They, they they were what United needed at the time, but neither have really settled in. And you have to question why that is as well. You know, they can't have become bad players in the last five or six months since arriving from Real Madrid and Borussia Dortmund. You know, it seems really odd to 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 say that. Yeah, I guess as well that sort of comes full point, doesn't it? That if United do win a trophy that see this season, that doesn't mean they're suddenly cured. Doesn't mean that everything's sort of resolved like that and yeah like we said it's got a, gonna be a busy few weeks ahead uh samuel dom it's a bit of a break now till the villa game i'm guessing we'll be back later in the week to preview that one properly so i guess for today's episode that's all we've got time for samuel dom thank you very much for joining us on the manchester's red podcast thank you rich thank you cheers and thank you very much for listening wherever you might be in the world as always please do leave a like and subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already and we will see you again next time